I need to tell you a story. This story is a story of a man. And the main thing you need to remember about this man is that he is, he's a clumsy man. Keep that in mind. He's a clumsy man. His wife, however, is just the opposite. Graceful, careful, a real Mary Poppins. Practically perfect in every way. So this man and his wife visited a church service one Sunday, and they both picked up a cup of coffee and found a seat. Now, this particular church had the time in the worship service where you stand up and you greet your neighbor and you, like, introduce yourself and shake hands and stuff. You know, an introvert's worst nightmare. And for the introverts among us, which you don't think I am, but I actually am because I go home and crash after this because my social battery is completely expended on Sunday mornings. For the introverts in the room, you're welcome. We don't have one of those. We encourage people to to say hello before or after the service. And so if you are a shy person and you kind of that's you know you're not ready for that much social interaction, you can you can dip out if you got to. But you have to but Lucy will chase you down and say hello cuz she's got such a gift of friendliness and welcome. There's Lucy and several more will chase you down and say, "Hey, so glad you're here." So we don't do that. You're welcome. It's a nightmare for introverts, but in the particular church that uh in the church that um, we were visiting, they had stand and greet your neighbor time. I mean, the church where this nameless man and wife in the story were visiting, were, they, they, they had stand and greet your neighbor time. Nameless. Um, so they were shaking hands with the people nearby, didn't go wandering through the aisles, you know, trying to kind of stay home with that, just shaking hands. Hey, hi, how are you? We're, we're new here. I mean, they're, they're new here. The people in the story were new there. And um, the man in the story saw someone across the room that he knew. And, well, there's a story there. There was a bit of a, they used to be pretty good friends, but that relationship was strained. And uh, the man in the story, he's thinking, boy, I wish we could patch that up. I wish that could be made okay. So what, what can he do? What can, he did not walk over there. He thought to himself, I'll just wave, right? I'll just wave at him. A nice, friendly wave. That should do it. Nice, safe, friendly wave. Now, what was the one thing I told you about this man at the beginning of the story? The one thing that you know about his, the quality of his character and his behavior. What was it? He's clumsy. So this man in his clumsiness did not notice that in the intended path of his friendly wave there was a small styrofoam object full of hot liquid right in the path of his wave and when he lifted he swung his hand upwards it made contact with the cup of coffee in his wife's hand and it catapulted it into her face in the middle of this church sanctuary um she was surprised she was soaked and she was a little bit scalded thankfully there was no lasting damage but nobody wants to endure the pain and the embarrassment of a tidal wave of coffee hitting you in the face in a public venue now this woman in the story this nameless anonymous woman would have been perfectly justified and reasonable to cut her husband into little bitty pieces. But she did not do that. This kind, gracious, wonderful, beautiful, godly woman 
forgave her husband, and she hardly ever reminds him about it. Very rarely reminds him about it. Now, okay, another story. This same man and wife, on a completely separate occasion, the man was doing some electrical work around the house because that seems like a wise thing for a homeowner to do. And he's wiring something up, and he calls to his amazing wife, and he says, sweetheart, could you turn the breaker on? And she, in her enthusiasm for the task, races away to the breaker panel and flips the breaker. However, her hurry meant that she missed the second part of his statement. Honey, would you please turn on the breaker when I say? And as a result, consequently, at the time the breaker was thrown, the man was still holding bare wires in his bare hand. And 110 volts of alternating current chased a rabbit right through his nervous system. And he jumped, and he hollered, And for a brief period of time, he could pick up a local radio station through the fillings in his teeth. You're listening to WBRF 98.1, Blue Ridge Country. You might might expect the man to be upset about the attempted execution. The accidental, accidental, attempted execution. But he forgave her, and he hardly ever brings it up, and certainly not in a public setting would not bring it up at all. Now, I would love to tell you that the husband and wife in the story never had any reason to have to forgive one another again. There was never a hurtful or offensive moment. Um, I'd love to tell you that, but that's not true. We live in a difficult world. And if you're going to maintain a relationship with somebody, anybody, you're going to bump into one another from time to time. You're going to step on each other's toes you, you know, you're, you're going to have occasion to need forgiveness. Forgiveness, regular daily forgiveness, is an essential part of any relationship that lasts. So today's message is about forgiveness and unforgiveness and the impact that it has on our relationships and on our prayers. And that's the really big part. So um, there's a lot to this. And uh, this phrase won't encompass everything, but maybe if you're going to remember one thing out of everything i got to say, it's this. Here's, here's kind of your idea for the day. Go ahead, Janiah. Unforgiveness takes the air out of your prayer. Okay? Unforgiveness will make those prayers go flat. And if you feel sometimes like your prayers aren't getting where they need to go, maybe we need to look and see if there's some unforgiveness there. So we're going to read Mark eleven twenty five through 26. I'll, I'll read that and we'll pray and this is where we're going to be. It goes like this. Jesus is speaking here. He says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And we pray to you, Father in heaven, that you'd help us to understand this. It's such a big deal. We want to have a clean record before you. So teach us what it means to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus says, if you are praying, it says stand praying, but it doesn't really matter the posture. Whatever you're doing when you're praying, 
and you realize there is something unforgiven between you and another person, then you need to go do something about that. And then go back to praying. Now he takes it a step further and says, if you refuse to forgive others, God will refuse to forgive you. Is that heavy or what? I want to explain God's forgiveness has two interlocking pieces. The first piece, the big piece, is when you first pray that humble prayer of repentance in Jesus' name, when you ask Jesus to forgive your sins and give you a new life, that's, you know, in the world that I grew up in, we called that getting saved. Maybe that's the terminology you're used to as well, getting saved. That's that initial, that initial prayer of forgiveness that establishes a relationship between you and God. I want you to know that forgiveness for salvation is not dependent on any good deeds on your part. Now, this verse talks about if you do not forgive others, God will not forgive you, but you could not walk up to heaven and say, God, I have forgiven other people, so I, you owe me forgiveness because I have done this good deed of forgiving others. That won't work. Our forgiveness for salvation is dependent on one thing, and that is the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is nothing else that will do it. So we might say, well, what's going on? God says he won't forgive us. What does that mean? You just said he will forgive us. So this is the first and forever forgiveness that establishes a relationship with god you can't earn it and you can't unearn it you can't mess it up and it only has to happen once but that's not the end kind of like in your in, in in a marriage you you say the vows and you've become married and there's a piece of paper that says you're married but now you got to go make it happen you got to go do these things that you promised that's where it comes next see there has to be a daily continual forgiveness to keep a relationship healthy uh, if we have trusted in Jesus and we are honest to goodness saved people and, and if we live our lives in a way that's not consistent with his teaching, it's going to create a problem between us and the Lord. There'll be a distance there. There'll be a lack of a strong relationship there. It won't break the relationship, but it will damage the relationship. It'll strain it. Just like in a human relationship, if you have somebody who's a family member or a close friend or, say, a spouse, and there is a rift between you, something has come up between you and you have not dealt with it, it won't necessarily end that relationship, but it's going to damage it. That's a big problem for relationships with people, but it's way bigger when it comes to relationships with God. Jesus said, if we refuse to forgive others, God will refuse to forgive us. Now, it's not that initial forgiveness for salvation. It is that daily continual forgiveness of staying close to God, staying in good fellowship with God, staying where we should be with God. If un unforgiveness won't destroy our relationship with God, but it'll damage it. And unforgiveness, if you're holding unforgiveness in your heart, it's going to it's going to impact your prayers. It's going to take the air out of your prayer. The prayers will be flat. If you feel like your prayers are flat, if you feel like your prayers are going nowhere, it is worth considering, is there some unforgiveness that i got to deal with? Jesus says, if you're in the middle of a prayer and you realize there's unforgiveness, you better go deal with that right away. Why? Because those prayers aren't going to go real far until you deal with that. So, all right, maybe you're thinking what I'm thinking. 
if unforgiveness is so, if forgiving people is so important, why are people so hard to forgive? I want to make the least controversial statement I could possibly make this morning, and that is that people are annoying. Not you guys, of course. Well, people are annoying. People are frustrating. You may have been wanting to tell the person sitting beside you, if that's a person you came here with, that they're annoying. But you're much too nice to do that. You wouldn't dare do that at all. I probably only have a couple of people in my home who would tell me that I'm annoying. Um, and, and maybe a couple I would tell that they're annoying. Alexis is giving me the heart over there. She knows it's her. She knows it's her. Anybody else had a teenage daughter before? Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite something. Um, people can be annoying and that counts probably the person sitting beside you but it counts you too you have your moments too where you're difficult to coexist with people even people you care about can be frustrating they can hurt you they can disappoint you they rub you the wrong way they might flat out wrong you if you are around a person long enough they're going to do something that puts a strain on your connection with them, puts a rift in that relationship. And if they don't do it, you'll take care of it. You'll do it. You'll be the one. Forgiveness has to be a regular, daily, constant part of any relationship that's going to last. If we never learn to forgive, then those relationships start crumbling and crumbling. Hey, if you burn every bridge, you eventually run out of bridges. And then what? You end up isolated and alone. So I can, I can hear some wheels turning in your heads right now. Okay? They're good. They're turning good. There's some good grease in there. It's turning real good and smooth. And what you're going to say to me is, Hey, hey, preacher, I, I see this unforgiveness thing. That's, I think you're, you're on the money, except you don't know the people who have done me wrong. Maybe that'll work for most people, but the people who've done me wrong, they do not deserve my forgiveness. Some of them don't even think they did anything wrong. As a matter of fact, the people who did the worst things to me won't even admit that what they did was hurtful. What about that? And you know, hey, if I sat down with you and I heard your story, and I know a few of your stories, I'd probably agree with you that yes, what these people have done from a human perspective is unforgivable. They do not deserve forgiveness. Except for this thing here. If, you, if you're a child of God, one of the greatest things you can ever do, one of the best and truest things you can ever do is forgive somebody who doesn't deserve it. That will say so much about who you are in Christ. So I want to give you a list. I like top so many lists. I couldn't come up with top ten. Top six reasons to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it okay and we're going to get to number six and they'll all be on the screen if you want to take a picture of this and post it to your on your wall or in your feed or whatever that's fine because we probably need to hear it top six reasons to forgive somebody who does not deserve it do they deserve it no that's the point of this these are people who don't deserve it but we're going to forgive them anyway why that's crazy that's crazy people talk well, Jesus said a lot of things that sound pretty crazy until you get to know what's really deep down. All right, number one reason. Jesus commands forgiveness. If you say you're a follower of Jesus, then that ought to carry pretty heavy weight with you. Jesus said to forgive. 
And he did not say, forgive if they come, at, come and apologize. He didn't say, forgive if they deserve it. He just said, forgive. Jesus is not asking something easy of us. This is the same guy who said, love your enemies. Do good to those who mistreat you. Pray for those who abuse you. That's not easy. That is huge and difficult. Anybody who says being a Christian is some kind of a crutch for the weak ought to try it. Because it ain't easy. It's not easy to love the people who have honestly done you wrong and may never admit it. But if you will obey Jesus in this, he will bless you for it. Put him to the test. Give it a shot. Try it. Prove me wrong. Prove him wrong. Try it and see what happens. Number two reason to forgive someone who does not deserve it. Forgiveness is a witness to God's grace. Human forgiveness is a reflection of the grace of God. We have been forgiven more than we will be able to forgive others. Because other people have done a lot wrong, but only part of what they've done wrong has been against us. But every sin is against God. And when we forgive other people, it is a demonstration of the grace of God. A light in the dark world. That's why forgiveness is such a beautiful thing. Because we're getting a little glimpse of God's light here in the darkness. Number three, reason to forgive someone who does not deserve it. Forgiveness reveals your heart. I've said it before and I'll say it again and I'll say it until everyone believes it. The way you treat people says more about your spiritual condition than maybe anything else. Because you know people who would claim to be a Christian, who can recite verses who can talk religion, but they treat people harshly. You know people like that. We don't know what's going on with them, but I'm going to say this, we're not going to be like that. We're not going to be like that. When people talk a big religion and then talk down to others, do you want to hear what they have to say about God? It kind of loses some credibility, right? Let me tell you, forgiving people, treating people with gentleness, with the forgiveness they would not give to you, shows that your heart has been transformed and it gives you credibility when you talk about spiritual things. That's a great reason to forgive people who don't deserve it. Number four reason to forgive people who don't deserve it, forgiveness sets you free. Maybe they don't deserve to be free from what they've done to you. But don't you deserve to be free from what they've done to you? Why are you locking yourself up for their crime? Number five, reason to forgive people who don't deserve it. Forgiveness is essential to healthy relationships. Unforgiveness destroys relationships. And you might say, well, I don't really want to have a relationship with that person. Okay, that's understandable. But here's what the world doesn't tell you. When you hold on to bitterness towards other people who've done you wrong in your past, it will poison every other relationship for years to come. The ghosts of old bad relationships haunt the new current relationships. The only way to be emotionally healthy and to have healthy relationships right now is to forgive the bad stuff that happened to you before. Because you might have a good person in your life right now, but you can't have it good because you won't let go of what happened before. Number six, this one is, gets right to where we're at in this passage. Number six, reason to forgive people who don't deserve it. 
Unforgiveness hinders your prayers. This is the primary context here for this teaching. Jesus is teaching about prayer here. Understand if you hold on to forgiveness, unforgiveness, it will be a barrier between you and God when it comes to prayer. Unforgiveness will take the air out of your prayers. If you want to snap a picture of that, go for that. Put, post that. Just remind yourself of it. So we'll just leave that up for a while, Janiah. <coughs> hey, let me clarify a few things, all right? Because we missed a few things right here, right? You're thinking of them right now, probably. Let me cover those. First of all, forgiveness doesn't mean you allow a destructive person back into your life or to have the same place in your life that they used to have that doesn't doesn't mean you take somebody back who's been abusive or anything like that that it doesn't automatically mean anything like that but it does mean you cut yourself loose from carrying the burdens that they gave to you the burdens of bitterness neither is forgiveness pretending like nothing happened forgiveness is not really just saying ah well whatever it's not exactly letting them off the hook. It is taking them off your hook and putting them on God's hook. You're trusting God to take care of it. Who's, who could do that better? Who do you think's better at holding someone accountable? You or God? God will take care of that. Trust me. I've seen that one. God will take care of that. Give it to him. He'll take care of it. Also, another tough reality here that we have not yet acknowledged one of the hardest parts of forgiveness is that many of the people who have done you wrong will never show up and apologize. Some of them can't see that they've done you wrong. Some people are just like that. Some people never do anything wrong so far as they understand. Some people know they've done something wrong, but they're never going to come and own it. Some of these people are out of your life now and you won't see them again. Some of them are dead and gone. Now, I realize a few people have come back from the dead, but do not expect that person to come back from the dead to apologize to you. It's not going to happen. You're not going to have a zombie show up at your door and say, I'm sorry. That's the best I could do as a zombie voice, okay? It's too early for that. You cannot control them. You cannot answer for them. Maybe they'll never make it right. But you control you. You, and you got your hands full, let's face it, you got your hands full with you. Um, you can let go of the pain, even if the offender never apologizes. Your heart can change, even if their heart never changes. I got one more big one here. This is a bitter pill to swallow, okay? Bitter pill to swallow. Hear this, you hearing? Everybody looking? Everybody wave at me. You ain't got, hear this. The person you damage most with unforgiveness is you. From a human perspective, it makes sense to hold on to offenses. We believe it protects us. Hey, you get bit by a dog, you don't get close to that dog anymore. But distance is not the same as bitterness. Distance can be protective. There may be some people that you can't be close to anymore, and that's okay. But bitterness, that's not the same. Bitterness is never protective. It is always self-destructive. Bitterness is always a poison to your soul. So long as you hold on to unforgiveness, it is going to be the lens that colors your view of the world and your view of yourself. It's funny when you like watch movies and you can tell where the movie is because of like the filter they put on it. Oh, this is in Mexico. Let's put a sepia filter on it. 
And, and I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of how Mexico is. It's actually kind of green. It's kind of, it's central, it's, you know, it's tropical. Um, but you know, it's a, it's a movie that's set in Mexico because it's a sepia filter. Is it set in Russia or Eastern Europe? We're going to put the blue filter on it because it's always cold there. Well, this unforgiveness becomes the filter through which you see the world and you see yourself. That's really big deal when it comes to how you see yourself. For, for some people, if you've been mistreated long enough, especially when it happened if you were pretty young at the time, you can begin to believe that you deserve to be treated badly. Deep down, maybe subconsciously, you believe that you're unworthy of love or respect. That happens a lot when the, when the person who hurt you was like a parent or a caregiver. And until you process that pain and find your way to forgive them, couple of things could happen one some people fall into a pattern of getting into a relationship an unhealthy relationship with an unpleasable person because they're trying to make that unloving person love them as a like a stand-in for the person that hurt them or if you've got somebody good in your life they start out with two strikes against them because you're always looking for that for anything that looks like lack of love or lack of respect even if it isn't there, anything it looks like it is going to bring all that back. You've got to process that, that, that stuff, folks. You've got to. Chances are good. If we heard your story, we'd agree with you. You have been treated wrong. You have been hurt, damaged, disrespected, betrayed. Maybe in unforgivable ways from a human point of view. Hear me again. Here's another one. Here's another one of those things you write down. Wave at me so I know you're here. holding on to the hurt does not protect you from hurt it does not it gives the people who hurt you permission to keep on hurting you even when they're not in your life anymore they stuck the knife in you but you keep twisting it don't do it they do not have the right to take the joy out of your life anymore don't let them have it You may very well have been victimized, but you don't have to be a victim forever. You don't have to keep drinking the poison, hoping the other person will die. You don't have to keep letting what has been done to you drive your decisions. You can take ownership of your life and your choices and your destinies. How? Through Jesus, the one who set us free. He has set us free from what we've done and what has been done to us. He can show you the way to be free of what's been done to you forgiveness is releasing a prisoner only to find the prisoner was you here's how i say it to myself the prisoner forgiveness sets free is me they say life's like a journey you've heard that right life is like a journey like a road suppose on this road of life you're walking along and someone hands you a big giant rock hands it to you and say here this is yours now this rock is very heavy and it's very sharp and every step you take it presses into your skin and it's cutting you and it's hurting you now there's nothing binding to you binding this rock to you it's not as though it was tied on with ropes or glued on there's no duct tape holding it in your hands the only thing is that you were told this is yours to carry now And you expect that the person who handed you this rock will eventually show up and take it away. So you continue to carry the rock. As time goes by, the rock gets heavier 
and heavier till every step is a struggle. You find yourself angry and resentful, wondering when that person who gave you this rock will ever show back up and take it away. That's what they should do. They owe that to you. Where are they? But they never show up. And one day, a river crosses your path. There's a canoe pulled up on the bank. There's a paddle in there. But using that canoe would mean you've got to let go of the rock. And you're not ready to do that. So you wade out into the river. And this heavy, painful rock is, is dragging you down. You lift it up higher and higher. You lift it up above your head. You're kind of worried you're going to drop it on your head. But you keep going as it drags you down, drags you down. You get to a place where the current is swift in this river. And there's some kids floating by. And they're calling for help. And they, they reach out their hands. But you don't have a hand to give them. So children are swept by in this river. And you couldn't grab, grab their hands because your hands are full of this burden, this rock you've been carrying. You get to a place where the, the water gets deeper and deeper, and finally it's up over your head, and you're swimming. You're trying to swim and keep yourself afloat and keep this rock afloat, but it is not working. It is drowning you. This burden that you're carrying is drowning you in this river, and you finally, in desperation, kick to the surface, and you cry out for help, and you, you are sure you're going to go down for the last time and drown, but you don't. Someone has a hold of you. It's almost as though they're holding on to the burden, the rock. They've got a hold of that rock. You're thinking, finally, after all these years, that person who gave me this rock to carry is, has come to take it back. About time. I nearly drowned. But you look up into the face of your rescuer and you don't see the person who handed you the rock. You see another face. A face full of compassion there's a crown on his head. The hands that are reaching out to you look like they've got nail holes in them. And he says, let go of the rock. Give me the rock and take my hand. What do you do? What do you do? To take that hand and be rescued means you've got to let go of the burden that you've carried for so long. And the person who's here to take it from you is not the one who gave it. It's this new person. This one with the nail-scarred hands. Will you take his hand and be rescued? Will you let go of the burden and let it fall? I'm here to tell you, you can be free of what has been done to you. There are people in your life who have come by and handed you a big, sharp rock to carry. And that stone has been dragging you down for a long time. It's been hindering your prayers. It's been hindering your walk. And if you're honest, you've had it for so long, maybe you don't know what your life looks like when you're not carrying that rock anymore. Maybe the anger that you've had from carrying that rock is the only thing that's been keeping you going for a while. You expected the person who gave it to you to show up and take it, but they're nowhere to be found. So what will you do? Jesus is ready to take that rock of unforgiveness out of your hands and to lift you up He's ready to take away the thing that is drowning you and give you life. So what will you do? Forgiveness does not erase the past. But it releases the grip of the past on your present and on your future. So my prayer for you and for all of us is that we'll give our burdens to Jesus. 
no longer needs to weigh us down. It no longer needs to hinder our prayers. It no longer needs to take the air out of our prayer. Even if we have to start by saying, God, I don't know if I'm ready to forgive, but I want to get there. I want to get to the point where I can, even if I can't today. So let's pray right now. Let's give it to God right now. I want you to, in your seat right now or wherever you're listening to this from, work it out with God. We'll we'll just pray something like this. Almighty God, you have seen the hurt. You have seen what has been done to us. You have seen the rocks that other people have handed us to carry. We didn't ask for them. We didn't want them, but we got them. Lord, we want to let those rocks go. We want to let the unforgiveness go, to let the bitterness go. But we don't always know how. So, Lord, please teach us how to forgive, how to be set free. We pray for that now. Lord, I pray for that for myself and for all these folks receiving this message, that you would teach us the freedom of forgiveness. God, for the people who have hurt us, we give them to you. And we know you will do what is best. You will do what is right. You will make things right when we can't. Lord, we trust you and we praise you for Jesus who made it possible for us to let go of even the biggest hurts. Thank you for sending your son to die for us. Lord, we believe and we trust in him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. My prayer is that we'll have some freedom because we all we all got things to let go of. Thank you for being a part of this today. I hope you have, have a wonderful, wonderful week, a blessed week. I hope God does a lot of work in your life. And let me tell you, it could be uncomfortable when God's working in your life. But I hope he does a great work in your life next, this week. And come back next week. Bring a few extra people with you. And we're going to keep going and uh, learn a little more from the Gospel of Mark. All right, God bless you guys. Take care. We'll see you.